on today's program. There's some places that you can get into that can restore your family. There's some places you can get into that can just deliver you and set you out and pull you out. I'm preaching about some places. All of that and more next on Today's Truth. Genesis 18 and 1, the Bible says, And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat at the tent door in the heat of the day, and he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. When he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, Pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Skipping down to verse number 22. The Bible says, And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. Amen. I'll preach from this thought tonight. Some places. Some places. Amen. Let us all pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, your word is forever anointed, but God, I need your anointing one more time to speak unto me. Lord, let your word go forth tonight and land on good ground. Lord, let us be able to receive what you would have. Lord, let me speak exactly what you would want me to speak tonight in the precious, precious mighty name of Jesus. Hide me behind Calvary, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And let us leave this place changed, Lord. In the precious name of Jesus. In the precious name of Jesus. Amen. The church say amen. Amen. If you promise to help me, you can be seated. Amen. Some, some places. Some, some places. I want to make a bold but definite statement today. I believe anywhere the supernatural shows up, there will be activity. I am saying that the presence of God is far more than just emotionalism. The supernatural is the very tool to destroy the works of the devil. I believe that we should expect that every time we gather together that yokes will be destroyed, bondages will be broken, and the bodies of people can be healed. I could be wrong, church, but I believe our level of expectation for the supernatural, miracle-working glory and power of God is far too low. At the very least, even if there aren't any sick that need to be healed, we should be experiencing the fire of His presence that shifts, that elevates, and that brings to new levels of glory of his presence every time that we meet and gather in this church. Well, come on, does anybody believe me? Church, we should be experiencing fresh baptisms of the Holy Ghost and fire every time that we get into the house of God. There should be such a hunger and thirst and craving for the glory of God that we will not be satisfied with anything less than the tangible manifestation of Jesus Christ. 
Christ. Well, I'm sorry, church. I just don't think church as usual should be a place without miracles. I don't think church as usual should be a place without the power of God being manifest. I think every church service ought to be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Every service should be a place to experience the flow of the divine power of God. Every service, there should be somebody leaving transformed in their body, in their mind, and in their soul. Every service, somebody ought to be leaving saying, I've been in the glory of God. I've been in the presence of God. Look at me. Look what God done for me. All because I was in the presence of God Almighty. I was in a place where the miraculous power of God began to move. The miraculous power of God began to transform. The miraculous power of God began to heal. Well, do I got a witness in the house that we ought to have the miraculous moving in every service? Let me tell you something today that where the miraculous is, anything can happen. Where the supernatural is, nothing is impossible. I propose to you today that if you're sick in your body, Jesus is the healer of the ages. I propose to you today that if you're battling anxiety, Jesus is the peace that passes all understanding. I propose to you today that if you're in need of financial assistance, my Jesus is the supplier of all your needs for he owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he always supplies your need. Well, come on somebody. I feel I need to remind some people today that it is our duty to set the stage for the miraculous in our church services. It is our requirement to create an atmosphere for Jesus Christ to set his throne down in. Hey, buddy, if you need God to move, why don't you try praising him? Hey, come on, somebody. If you need God to shake some things, why don't you try praising him? I say if you will create an atmosphere that God can set down in, he will change your atmosphere. He will change your life. He will do something supernatural. Don't take me wrong here, but when David found himself in trouble he didn't say take me there or take me to some entertainment show but he said take me to a place where there is the presence of God because he can do what nobody else can I wish somebody would clap your hands and say I need God to move I need God to do this I need God to change my situation Well, do I have anyone in the house tonight that is in agreement with me that we need the supernatural to move throughout our world? We 
need the supernatural to move in our lives. We need the supernatural to move in our workplaces. We need the supernatural to move in our homes. We need Jesus Christ to give us his peace. I wish somebody would help this preacher just a little bit tonight. You need God to move. You need God to transform. You need God to shake some things. You need God to do something that you've been praying for for a long time. Why don't you create an atmosphere? Hallelujah. When we read in our Bibles, we find that the supernatural usually is revealed in a couple a few different categories but the first category that we always find that the supernatural is revealed is in a place of praise and adoration and worship I came here to tell somebody today that if you will start praising your God he can send the supernatural and it can change your atmosphere well when we start praising the God of heaven he can come down and he can heal your body when you start praising your God like you know he is your everything like you know he is the great physician like you know he is the lily in your valley like he is your bright morning star if you will start praising him I promise you there is something unleashed in the supernatural that can break the strongholds of the enemy that can tear down the chains of the devil and that can rattle the very gates of hell I say we need the supernatural from the kingdom of heaven to saturate this place. I I hate the mindset of church as usual. I say I hate the mindset. Well, it's just another Tuesday night. I'm tired in my body. Yeah, I remember those days of being a pinner in the coal mines and getting up at three o'clock in the morning to work with Pastor Merritt. I remember those days. But you know what benefited me? And when I came in, despite my tired body, despite what took place at work, and said, I'm going to create an atmosphere that can change my world that can send healing that can send restoration I'm going to exalt the king of kings well you say I can't praise the Lord well I was in Fort Smith Arkansas and I said it last night about my dream I always wanted to see somebody get out of the wheelchair. And this man, he was in a wheelchair. And all he could do was raise one hand. And all he could do is this. It was stiff. All he could do that because he had a stroke over a dozen years ago that left him incapable to talk, left him incapable to walk. And you use his right his right side of his upper body 
and he began to do this and he was just humming or whatever you want to say and that's all he could do and he would ask his wife to wheel him up to the front and brother Chad me and the pastor prayed for him and he went home and I was frustrated I said God you know I was always wanting to see somebody get out of a wheelchair you know that was my dream and I went to church the next night and that man was walking and a talking I wish somebody would praise the Lord like you know that he can and that he will and can do it I say my God can do it he can heal your body he can save your soul he can restore your mind well do I have a church that really believes that I said, do I have a church that really believes you can get in some places where the supernatural is beginning to move and he can change your world? Well, another way I've seen the supernatural move in a place is by prayer. I've seen it time and time again when someone is in need and they began to cry out to Jesus. Jesus was there. It all started because they were willing to get into a dimension of prayer that caused mountains to be moved. They pushed beyond the normal little patty cake prayer and was willing to step in to anointed prayer that shook the very foundations of hell. Well, does anybody know what I'm talking about? When you can go beyond your normal little now and lay me down to sleep prayer but you can get tapped in to a dimension of prayer that says I'm praying for not just things now but I'm praying for things in the future oh come on somebody you need to get a hold of prayer like you never have before because it will move your mountain Let me tell you something. Everybody in this place, you need to hear me today because every now and then you're going to need some heavenly whispers to heal a hurting heart. Therefore, we need the supernatural in our churches. I remember a story in the Bible, a story about a pool called Bethesda. And once every year, an angel would come down and trumble that water. And the first one that was able to enter that pool that was disturbed, that was troubled, that was the person that got healed. Now there's one thing I love about that story. And the thing that I love about that story is the supernatural will never again be withheld to one individual. But if you can get the atmospheres disturbed by an angel, by something supernatural, when you can get the heavens all to set down in this place, everybody can leave changed. Everybody can leave delivered. Everybody can leave healed. Everybody can leave with a restoration. And a, oh, come on, somebody. There is a heavenly presence that can be set down when you will create an act. Well, there is some places, I said there is some places 
that can never be reached until we are willing to create an atmosphere that gets the attention of heaven. I'm preaching about some places that you can get in that breaks the very stronghold of the devil. Some places that can break the very mindsets of suicide. Some places that can destroy the addictions that you've been held bound with. There's some places that you can get into uh, that can restore your family. Uh, There's some places you can get into uh, that can just deliver you uh, and set you out uh, and pull you out. I'm preaching about some places. Hallelujah. But let me get into what I really want to preach tonight. I don't think there is a place on earth that can compare to the treacherous city of the Bible that talks about. It was a city situated on the Jordan River Plains in the southern region of Canaan. It was that infamous city called Sodom and Gomorrah. When you say Sodom and Gomorrah, it's safe to say that peace and safety doesn't ring in your ears. Oh, come on, somebody. It's a place. It's not a place that you would want your children to play in the streets. When you say Sodom and Gomorrah, it's not a place that a smart man would want his wife to travel alone. When you say Sodom and Gomorrah, a spiritually minded individual would want to avoid that place. When you say Sodom and Gomorrah, success stories would be non-existent and victims would be the normal. I feel completely safe in saying that no place on earth has ever seen the vile viciousness of Sodom and Gomorrah. I feel completely safe in saying that the San Francisco city is, despite all of its perversion, has never seen the perversion of Sodom and Gomorrah. San Quentin Prison has never seen the violence and abuse that took place in Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah was the worst of the worst. It was the most vile of all the places. History has seen all the names of Sodom and Gomorrah used to describe metaphorically every evil and refer to everything from homosexuality to every unimaginable unholy thing in this world but it's with this in mind that we must acknowledge that at least according to scripture that there was a couple of of people in Sodom and Gomorrah that were supposed to be what you and I would call a sanctified people they were supposed to be what we call ourselves and that is a holy nation they had the reputation of knowing God but yet they were seemingly comfortable in a place that rejected the oracles of God they were comfortable sitting in a place that resented the very nature of God there were some that were supposed to be righteous dwelling there I've often wondered how can a man that was supposed to have the call of God on his life and was even recorded in scripture as as a righteous man, why would he want to reside in an environment like Sodom and Gomorrah? Someone that claimed to be among the saved would ever choose to reside in such an unholy, carnal environment can baffle any one of us. But there in that place, it seems that Lot and his family is content to dwell in that perverted environment. 
Well, come on, I hope I'm not boring you to death yet. But yet in another way, it's not surprising at all that it, to any real man of God because a real man of God has seen people that claim to be righteous but yet still can attach themselves to all sorts of carnality and all kinds of junk that is not conducive for the anointing of God to operate in. But as I began to read this story of how Lot broke away from his pastor Abraham and ended up pointing his tent towards Sodom and Gomorrah and after he pointed his tent towards sin he eventually started living in that sinful place. He and his family started living in that evil treacherous place. That city was so vile that the cries of the wicked of that wicked city came up to the point that God said I've heard the cries of that evil environment and I'm going to send angels to that place to destroy it. God said I refuse to tolerate that kind of stuff any longer. I'm going to send fire and brimstone to rain down on that place and wipe it off of the face of the earth. I began to read that the angel said we're going to go but first we're going to talk with Abraham Lot's pastor before we destroy that city. We are not going anywhere until we talk to Abraham, the pastor of that city first. Them angels came and they began to go to Abraham's dwelling. And without hesitation, they come in his house and sit down. And Abraham said, we got a, we got a little something to talk about. The cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, oh, we're fixing to destroy them. And then Abraham begins to start debating with the angels and he says, what if you can find 50 righteous souls? And then what if you can find 40? And then all the way down until if you can find 10. But when I began to read that story probably for the hundredth time something kind of stuck out to me about the whole situation with Abraham and how he kept on lowering the number of righteous souls. Why did Abraham keep trying to bargain with God? Brother Chuck well I believe that Abraham did not have much confidence in Lot's ability to be effective in that place. I believe Abraham was saying I'm not sure about Lot's ministry is even going to be effective enough to save his own family. There was something about Lot that Abraham did not really, really believe in. When I began to study this, something began to roll over and over in my mind. What could it have been that Lot's pastor seen that caused him to question and not have much confidence in Lot's ministry? What was it that Abraham seen in Lot? What did Lot show on the journey that caused Abraham to say, I just don't quite have enough faith in him? Did Abraham notice some character flaws that caused him his effectiveness with his own family. What was so dangerous about Lot that even Abraham said there is not much hope for that city. Could it have been when Lot chose to point his tent towards Sodom or was it the direction how he was walking on the journey? What was it? 
about Lot. Hear me today. We need the supernatural to minister to those things that doctors can't fix. The supernatural needs to minister to those things that lawyers cannot remedy. The supernatural needs to minister to those things that psychiatrists cannot explain. And just like me and you, just like me and you would, when Lot saw those supernatural beings walking down his road, he said, come on, I need you to abide with me for the night because Lot knew that the supernatural can change his atmosphere. The supernatural can do what nothing else can. Lot was saying, I want the ministry of the miraculous in my world because I know that that can make a difference. I believe Lot was sincere in that moment because he knew the benefits of having the anointing in his world. He knew what the supernatural of heaven can do in his world but without a moment's hesitation those angels they said no we will not abide in your house we're going to stay in the streets. I'm going somewhere. Hold on just a minute. We're not coming into your house, but I want you to come and change my atmosphere. That is what Lot was saying. And them angel says, we're not coming anywhere near that place. Brothers and sisters, I come to preach to you today. There is a danger in some places because here is a man that at least at one point in his life knew what it was like to walk in the paths of righteousness. I would go go on as to say that Lot knew what it was like to even operate under the anointing of being a man of God. But what was it that even made God say I'm not going to you Lot. What was it that made God said I'm not going to your house. Yes, I know later on angels came inside Lot's house. But my point today is not about the angels. But why would God say, I'm not going to the place that Lot has chosen to dwell? What made God say, I've got reservations about being anywhere near where Lot has chosen to be? My message today is simple. Because there are some places, I said there are some places that even God will say, I'm not going there. I say again. There are some places. Without a doubt, there are some places that God will not go. We know when Abraham said, Lord, come inside and talk with me. It was without hesitation by the Chuck Harriman that the Lord turned in and abided in the house of Abraham. But when it was time to go to Sodom and Gomorrah, the Lord was not there. And even the angels didn't want to enter into Lot's dwelling. Without a doubt, God seen Lot's troubled world. And Lot said, I need the supernatural in my life. And God said, no. The most wicked in the vile place on the planet. It demands an answer. Why would God not go there? Come on, church. Why would God stay away from places where there is room for the supernatural? Why would God stay away when it was supposed to be a sanctified home? Why would God stay away when Lot's home should have been a sacred environment for the presence of God Almighty? Why did the God of heaven say to himself, I'm going to avoid that place where Lot has chosen to live. I'm going to avoid that place. 
preaching to this sanctuary tonight, there is a danger of some places. Every one of us knows Without a doubt, we need the supernatural in our lives. We need the supernatural in our churches. We need the supernatural in our workplaces. We need the supernaturals in every area of our world. The miraculous power of God should be in every service. But why does the supernatural avoid certain places when it is supposed to walk among us? Oh, come on, somebody. The miraculous power of God should be touching our lives, touching our families' lives. And touching our very own lives. You might say, preacher, how do you know that God will not go to some places? Let me show you what I found. And in prayer, I find it peculiar that in Genesis 18 and 2, Brother Timmy, if you'll put it on the screen. In Genesis 18 and 2. Genesis 18 and 2. He said in Genesis 18 and 2, and he lifted up his eyes and looked. And lo, three men stood by him. When he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. Three men. Three men. But in Genesis 19 and 1, what does it say? And there came two angels. But I just read to you that there was three. I said there's two there, but there was three. And I was studying this and I found it interesting. Why was there three angels standing with Abraham but only two that went into Sodom and Gomorrah? And I was praying and I was asking and I felt God impressed me. He said, Pastor, you impressed me to read chapter number 18 again. And I read chapter number 18 again. And around verse number 22, if you could put it on the screen, Brother Timmy. And I, so I read in chapter 18 and 22 and the men turned their face from thence and went towards Sodom but Abraham stood yet before the Lord I come here to tell you there's some places that God will not go I don't care what you pray about if you choose to live in some places you will never see the presence of God you'll never feel the presence of God you better watch it when you choose to dwell in some places Oh, I say there's some places you can choose. You can choose to dwell in some places and you can kiss the glory of God goodbye. When you choose to dwell in some places, you'll never feel the Shekinah glory. You'll never feel the delivering power of God again. You better watch it when you dwell in some places. When I read that in verse number 22, I felt God impress me. There's even some places that I will not go. 
There's even some places. Oh, I believe God will will reach to the very pits of hell to rescue a sinner. I believe God will rescue a sinner no matter where they come out of. But when a child of God chooses to dwell in some places of carnality, in some places of disobedience, in some places of rebellion, God will say, I'm never going back that life again (coughs) come on I said there's a danger I say there's a danger in some places I said there's a danger TAC when you hear your man of God preach and he's preaching you better avoid that you better avoid that kind of websites oh I'm preaching for myself I was addicted to pornography and I had to go and I had to crawl myself out of that and I had to get accountable to a man of God because there was some places that God said I'm not going there I say there's some places. I say there's some places. But what did God see in some places that says I'm not going in there? There's a few things that I've noticed. Oh, what made him question? Says I'm not going to some places. Could it be that God looked and seen Lot had long ago lost his commitment to the kingdom of God? Understand with me today that Lot walked away from what God was doing in his world because his shepherds were fussing with Abraham's shepherds. Abraham, that patriarch that looked for a place that God called him to because when he seen his shepherds arguing with Abraham's shepherds, he said, I must leave because Lot's mentality was that if I stay here in the will of God it might cost me something if I stay here in the will of God it might cost me some sheep if I stay here in the will of God it might cost me some comfort if I stay here in the will of God it might cost me a sleepless night hey let me tell you something to really have a commitment with God it's gonna cost you something you better get a hold of commitment and say I'm gonna be committed come hell or hot water I've got to be connected to God Lot said I'm going to lay down my commitments because I'm afraid of the price tag on that you better hear me today somebody because there's some places that God will not go I say again, there's some places uh, when you choose to lay down commitment, uh, when you choose to lay down uh, your commitment to the doctrine, uh, when you choose to lay down your commitment to submission, uh, there's a place uh, in all of that uh, that God will not go. Uh, you better be aware of some places. Seems I'm reminded of a man by the name of Demas. Paul wrote bragging about Demas. But just a couple chapters later, Pastor, Paul says, Demas has forsaken me, loving this present world. 
Hey, let me tell you, the worldly pleasures of this life will always erode spiritual commitments when you're always worried about keeping up with your hobbies. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm preaching to you right now. You better get out of that kind of stuff. You better get your commitment back to the house of God, to your family, and to the man of God because there's a danger in some places. Seems I'm also reminded by the name by the man named of Balaam, who was quick to lay down his commitment to the kingdom of God when some pagan king comes by and offers him money to to curse the people of God. Oh, in fact, Balaam is so out of touch with the presence of God, Pastor Marin, that Balaam is on this beast and he's riding. And that beast pushes his leg against a rock. And Balaam climbs off of that beast and begins to beat that animal unto the point that that beast says, hey, don't you realize I'm trying to save your life? And God, oh, come on, I wish somebody would grab a hold of this. And Balaam looked and he saw an angel that was ready to cut him asunder. I say there's a danger in some places. There's a danger in some places. Oh, the second thing, second thing that I find God causes to avoid some places. And that is when submission is cast aside. Hear me today, brothers and sisters. You better be submitted to a spiritual authority. When you're submitted to spiritual authority, it loses God to bless you. It loses God to anoint you. You better never forget that God will not go to some places that doesn't have a spiritual covering in their life. I don't care if you're a saint. I don't care if you claim to be a preacher. I don't care if you claim to be an usher or you're some media person. You better get yourself under submission. You better say, I've got I have a spiritual covering. I've got to have a man of God. I've got to be under authority. I say God will not go to some places that don't have a man of God. Oh, Oh, come on, somebody. God's talking to someone tonight. You better get out of that place. Oh, you better get out of that place that says, I don't need a pastor. I don't have to have somebody to tell me what to do. You better get out of some places. Because if you don't, God will never. God will never come to some places. You can ask my wife, Brother Chad Carraway, in our little over two years of full time evangelizing, there's some hideous, atrocious, 
unholy things that crawls out of a person that says, I don't have to be submitted to anybody. Oh, come on, I'm preaching to someone tonight. You better get back under submission. You better get back under the authority that God placed in your life and say, I don't care if it hurts when he preaches to me. I don't care if it convicts me. It's yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I've got to have a pastor. tell you why God won't go to some places it's because they lack spiritual covering in their world the supernatural I don't care what anybody says it does not have to show up in places that lack submission (laughs) why did the most powerful being in heaven get cast out because he found himself in a place without submission. Some of, there's some of you, you hadn't moved in a long time. And all you're doing is you're putting off a vibe to God saying, I'm content in my current environment. I'm content. Come on, you want full-time ministry? You can have full-time ministry if you get yourself right neither one of them. I'm living proof. I wasn't always perfect, but I got myself where I needed to be under submission of a man of God. If you will get out of being content in some places, you can have that kind of ministry. You can have that kind of revival. You can have that kind of anointing, but you got to stop being content in a carnal environment. I'm not bragging on myself. Please don't take it that way. Why does God avoid some places? Because he is a gentleman. When he sees your willingness to stay in that condition. Your willingness to stay in some places. I say again, there's a danger in some places. How in the world can Lot be so content to live in a carnal environment? started when he cast submission to the wind and then it started and it kept on snowballing brother Chad when he cast commitment to the wind but what sealed his fate Pastor Marin I truly believe what sealed his fate to lose his very own family when he chose to be content in a carnal environment Why was he so content? Why, Pastor Man, was he so content to live in a place he was never intended to? Why was he so content from being a righteous preacher into being a place full of perversion? Oh, Lot chose to stay in some places that wreaked havoc on his home. It devastated his spiritual man and destroyed his ministry. And him choosing to stay in some places birthed the nation of the Moabites. A nation that resented everything about God and godly principles. It was because Lot chose to stay in some places. Listen to this preacher tonight. When you choose to stay in some places, 
there can be some hideous things burst in that environment. I tell you again, somebody, there's a danger in some places. When you make up in your mind, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go there. I'm going to make that choice anyways. Despite the consequences, hear me today. There is the most costly thing that I can notice. And that sometimes there's no returning some places. Thanks for taking the time to take in today's program. This is a media ministry outreach of Truth Apostolic Church in Madisonville, Kentucky. For more information about our ministry, visit our website.